0: your lesson here babe. you come at the king, you best not
1: miss.
0: We're back! Black in a box is back. And I'm gonna get straight into it. We are here with me, we are here with Dom. What up? We are here with Angelo. Top of the morning, top of the morning. And we are here with Alana. Hey. Pew, 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 It's been summer, people have been outside. Where have we been? I'll start with you, Ali. Let's go in reverse order.
2: Ah, uh, where have I been? I have been to America. Uh, the only two states I ever really need to be in America, which is Hawaii for the first time. Uh, mm. And then back home to Cali. It was a dream and uh now i'm back here
3: what was hawaii saying
2: oh my god it's uh i mean it's just paradise like i you know remember that double rainbow video where the guy saw the double rainbow and like got really (laughs) got really emotional (laughs) i didn't understand and then i was like (laughs) oh my god there are double rainbows they're so bright and there's sea turtles and there's dolphins and it's just like it was just unbelievable but it's Fucking expensive, so just know that it is American prices. Yeah, mm, but uh, amazing.
0: Good, because I've not no sympathy. I mean, sometimes you just got to pay to enjoy the thing, eh?
2: Mm, indeed. Indeed.
3: Dom, I've been about, mate. I've been about. I was on holiday with you, Dan. Where did we go? We went to. We went to Faro. We went to Lule. Lule. If we're gonna down in the Algarve. Yeah,
0: we're a- getting really banyan. bait out of the thing. Um, everyone always says it was a movie, fam. <laughs> it wasn't a movie because you're not just going to watch a movie about people just enjoying themselves, enjoying for like an hour. You'd just be sick of it. But, but that's what it was. was.
3: That's what it was. It was absolutely stunning. So, we, um, yeah, we got a big house for the bunch of us, nine of us in there, and just, just had a good time. Like, nothing notable to say. I had one day acting bougie on a boat, and, and when I say a boat, it was a boat i might even go as far as saying it was a yacht and we were just living we were just living man it was hot
0: it was hot it was and fucking hot. um yeah that's that's basically it angelo i know you've been busy just just out here
4: well <laughs> unlike you guys i haven't left the county um so i had plans to just i was i was gonna have a hot girl summer and then covid was like <laughs> I, I think the fuck not um So, yeah, um, I had so much stuff planned for August. I got COVID at the start of August. Now, I got it in one of two places. One, I went to um, a charity rugby tournament. It was a memorial tournament for one of my former students. Um, There was about a 1,000 people there, and, you know, we were watching rugby. We went for a few drinks afterwards. Lovely day. And I, I hope I caught it there because otherwise it means I caught it on a random Wednesday night That just, that went all the way left uh, Don't ask me how I ended up in a gay bar At half three in the morning Drinking one pound drinks But that's what happened And then, uh, yeah uh, That's probably where I caught it um, So then ended up uh, Taking, I took a lateral flow Came back negative Took a PCR, came back positive Shut me down um, was, was, was properly sick um, and then the symptoms just have carried on. So uh, damp squib as opposed to hot girl. But uh, I, it was nice watching you guys live your lives via Instagram. That was that was nice.
2: Yeah, the Instagrams were on fire.
4: Uh, well,
0: yeah, it was they, we were following a strict content plan. Um, <laughs> you, was, was, you were, you <laughs> were. Most of it was ho It was ho- organic, ho- organic <laughs> content. But you know, it, it just comes out that way. But. It is what it is. Um but yeah, and I've just been stumped I've I've other than that, it's just been six weeks of, of weddings and, and stags for me. Back to back to back to back. We had the last one this weekend just gone a double wedding, a double wedder. And then yeah, man came back and he was sick. Um Ian Bill. You know, I've got nothing left <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, it, and it's it's just, I think we always knew it's going to be quite difficult to get in a pod And I think that, yeah, that's that's where we've been But now we're back Little minisode because of just how the bookings got booked up But we're going to be back soon with a folding beloved, so hang on to that But yeah, good to be back recording with you guys We just wanted to get together to come back and say something And have sort of a timely episode Uh, to talk about the death of Michael K. Williams, um, TV titan. He played the, well, famous for the role of Omar in The Wire. Some people say the best or the second best TV show ever made. I think it's the best. He meant so much more and he did so much more and we're going to go into pretty much all of that, but you can just sort of take a look at the state of Twitter on the night of Monday, the 6th of September, uh, when he passed, uh, to see what he meant to so many different people. Um, he became embodied by his sort of whistling theme tune, A Hunting We Go, and the TV show, the melody made famous when he's about to rob somebody. And yeah, a career full of meaning and full of life cut short into just 54 years. Um, like I say, we're going to go into sort of the full spectrum of what he did and what he meant. Um, but I'll, I'll ask sort of first the guys, um, how did you, did you all first come across him in The Wire? And then did you sort of go into find him in other things? Or was it one of those cases where he just cropped up in so many different places, as I found he was, I mean, I was in The Sopranos too. So yeah, just sort of toss it out there.
2: Can I start first just because I need to make a confession? So <laughs> I
3: know where this is going. Oh, You're an embarrassment. You are an embarrassment.
2: <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I have seen maybe two episodes of The Wire. Um, but that's why I wanted to go first. I'm watching them now. Look, I just I I grew up with my white mom in a white town with white people. Like I'm getting my black education culture uh, that I want and deserve now. Okay. Um, That being said, I still did hear about um, Michael K. Williams just based on his legacy. So while I haven't actually consumed the content, um, I do appreciate the impact that he's had in the culture just based on him constantly being referenced by other actors, by other performers, by people like dancers, by you guys who you've talked about him in that role before. Um, So, yeah, obviously he has a has a major impact to somebody who I think is a, a black icon for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more just interested to hear what what you guys have to say.
3: So are you um, one of the few Amina. people who actually didn't think that Stringer Bell was American for years then. Idris Elba was American. Because some people that have watched The Wire were amazed to find out that he was actually British.
2: Well, because I hadn't watched The Wire, like, I didn't realize that a significant number of the actors black actors that you see now started there or were even in that show because i mean when did it start to like like 2004
0: 20- maybe i think earlier than that part i think it
2: was earlier than that yeah cuz it ended 2008 right but um no i didn't think that he was british but i also had no idea that like baby uh michael b jordan was in it or that like like what a powerhouse cast of people that i just didn't realize kind of started in the wire
0: she saw him in. Uh, she saw Idris Elba first in Birds of a Feather. <laughs> that's how, Was he enough? That's in that? how she knew. Yeah, I yeah, so, yeah. It's Stop legendary.
3: it! No way.
4: Um, just on on Michael K. Williams. I think. I, obviously, I first came across him, like so many did, um, in the Wire, and I remember even at the time going, "This, this is massive. This is such a big thing," and. I remember listening to a podcast... I think it was either this year or last year... And it was Van Lathan's uh, podcast... And he talked... They did a whole series kind of... Going back and looking at The Wire... And he made this point that in the... Uh, when The Wire came out... A lot of hood guys... The first time they see Omar... They were like... Oh, I'm Omar, yeah, I'm Omar, I'm Omar... And then you have the scene... Is it in the third episode... Where you see him... Uh, with his boyfriend... And he kind of was making the point that those same guys were like, oh, hold on a second, hold on a second. And it, it brought about a dissonance for them. And I think that what I really wanted to say about Michael K. Williams, and it was much better articulated, I know, Dan, you're going to talk about it, um, the, the the Dave Dennis article, is... And it's it really feeds into what was the original mission for this pod, which is, you know, there's more than one way to be black. Um that actually, yes, you can be, and and as somebody that is in the kind of acting world, not not everybody could have played that role, because he is the most quote unquote gangster in the series, but he's also the most loving of all. There's so many classic scenes, and the one that really stands out to me is the scene that he has with Bunk where Bunk and him are sitting down and Bunk talks about how they went to the same school and how, you know, they came from a different time when it was tough. Bunk is talking to him about a shootout that's gone wrong and one of uh, Omar's associates has died in it and Bunk has this classic line, it makes me sick, motherfucker, how far we done fell. And then he walks off and what I find just such a an arresting piece of acting is this gangster this guy that is the is 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 a hood, is a robin hood of the hood where he steals from drug dealers it really affects him and he spits on the ground and he he is ashamed of himself and to create a character of such complexity i think there has to be something in you yourself and i i just i think about the characters that he the roles that he took on especially after the wire whilst on the on the the heading it might say drug dealer or gangster or some kind of stereotype he always brought out the full level of humanity and made the audience go no these people are not different to you you don't get to do the thing that we do in TV often and have your binary characters of good characters and bad characters and all that. he was like no I'm going to fully embody humanity and I think he did so much for especially somebody like me who is a performer of saying actually you can be more than one thing even if it seems like a stereotype because i don't know if a lot of people know this he was only supposed to be in a few episodes of the first season and then he was supposed to be bumped off david simon's talked about this on many occasions but he was so magnetic on the screen that he went from a character that was supposed to be there for three or four episodes in the first season to going all the way through to the final season. And I think that speaks to the testament, uh, the testament to who he was as an actor.
0: Just to follow up on that, um, Andrew, I think you, know, you just sort of referenced it there and we'll go into him later on when we talk about what he means about black masculinities. In the David Dennis article, just a, a quote from here is, it would have been sensationalist to say that one moment of Omar romantically loving another man under two plus decades of toxic masculinity, stereotypes about gay men and ideas of what it means to be a man but William's portrayal of Omar and subsequent career changed me, reshaping what I believed about manhood. And it's just because you see so little of that on TV that it can have that impact. It's almost depressing in a way that in 2001 that <laughs> an entire generation of people can be having their sort of eyes open about the, the possibilities for for even themselves in that in that way from TV show. And a one character's portrayal there's no way that was written into the script like that that's just who he is and you can tell this by the other worlds that he's 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 gone into uh in his other films he was in um Lovecraft county where he plays a man who's almost at war with himself about his own sort of ideas about homophobia but in the same way that he's sort of he's is struggling to sort of deal with that and 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 what he's done as well in his personal life. So it was, yeah, it's real sort of testament to Michael K. Williams, the man.
4: Tommy, how
3: did you come across him? Yeah, also The Wire. Um, I don't really think there's too much to say on top of what's already been said. I mean, he was just such a captivating, captivating performer. Um, and, and just like the, the rest of you were saying, I think I was probably around the age of 19 when I watched The Wire, um, just binged it whilst I was at uni. And even at the age of 19, by this time, I had gay friends. And I'd still never seen a a gay person in that kind of light. The way that you would see that on television, it was always, well, pretty much always a very camp white man mm. who would be um, a representation of what mm. uh, a gay man looked like back in those days. So to see that and the time that it was around as well, I mean, hip-hop was still so homophobic mm. back in the... The early noughties and i mean i know that it was created by a white man and i never say that um, the why is a black show so much of that show was deeply embedded in hip-hop culture and when like you said angela you've got someone within the character of omar who for the first few times that you see him is so much what hip-hop looked like around back then in terms of the clothes that he wore his attitude the way that he spoke and then it just so happens that he's gay as well it knocks me for six because i have just not seen that before um so that was that was the first the first impression I got of him and I mean of anybody in the show and, and we've mentioned some of the people that was in it um he every time that he was on screen he stole that particular scene he, he was absolutely unbelievable and I think besides that you can just get a, an idea of how much admiration other actors um that played alongside him or who were just perhaps inspired by his roles um, that he played in, in various different shows and films. You could just see how much he was valued. I think there was um, an interview with him, and oh, what's, it, what's the actor who plays Bonk called? Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce,
5: yeah, there was, a, there was an interview
3: between the two of them on a red carpet. Well, he, he
5: may say that he was green, but Michael has contributed two of the most iconic, Characters in the history of American television with Omar and with Chalky White. What we are actually getting to witness in his young career, we're going to see a lot more, is like one of the great American actors, giving voice and giving flesh to uh, characters that most people would have never given the same humanity to, uh, giving uh, opening a window to a world of men that we pass by or don't know about. It's one of the most innovative portrayals on television uh, in, in our generation, and I, it was an honor, an honor for me to even share the screen with him. And he has opened up a window of reflection to people who may pass people on the corner that they would have never given humanity to, that he has made people think twice and give humanity to these men. And that's classic American television history right there, Michael K. Williams
3: when he goes into mm. how skilled and mm. how beautiful a job that, that Michael K. Williams does in bringing these characters to life. Because it's just remarkable to hear someone that is so well received and has so many different accolades across his career then referencing just how good Michael K. Williams was. The last time I actually saw him um, mm. was on, I think it was on an Anthony Bourdain um, show. I think it was No Reservations. And he takes Bourdain to a a Jamaican spot in, I want to say, Queens. And you can just tell in the conversation that they're having that, you know, some people just come across well. Some people just come across as well respected and loved. And he's in his local community and people that that are walking up to him. You can see that he's the first person to stop and have conversations with his fans. That he might have left the community physically, but he has never left there. And that is how he's got so much love and, and why he has been eulogized to such an extent since he has passed away because he was just a remarkable, remarkable person.
0: The, the funny thing about the episode is obviously the the payoff is when they're in the little
3: it's
0: <clears throat> cafe or um, what have you, or that restaurant is Jamie Hector who plays Marlowe mm-hmm. has heard he's just heard that he's around on the block. So he's gone looking for him and he walks in whilst, um, whilst he sat down. Yeah. And Anthony Bourdain's like, we have not planned this at all. And he pulls up a chair and he's sat in there and you're like, that is the type of person that you want to be. He's just he's heard he's somewhere in the neighborhood and he's gone looking for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel, but that, absolutely, I mean, but...
2: no, I was just gonna say, this has just been, you know, a year where we've lost like a number of people but the sort of public outpouring of, I don't know, disrespect that was paid from people across industries, across race, across gender was, I mean, it was the most that i've that I've seen um, of the people that we've lost, and not even just from people within you know sort of the show business, but um, gay friends that I have who posted, you know, the how much seeing his portrayals meant to them and the permission that he gave them. so. Yeah, I mean that's an amazing, what an amazing human, <laughs> not just actor or performer, but just what an amazing human.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 always like, I don't know. This is not necessarily unique to black entertainers or black people. It's always like the 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 fullness of the story and the, and and the color of the tales that come out after after they've died is always like fascinating and quite heartbreaking. Like when you find out it was it was Tupac that. Actually discovered him and put him in his first film because he'd been like he'd seen him in sort of uh, he he'd been a, he's a dancer so he toured with George Michael and he toured with Madonna. You know how's this guy's crossed the paths of so many different stars from so many different <laughs> yeah. eras, and it's in his and also he they, there's a a Vice documentary about the sort of the justice system and he's you know he's done sort of lots of work beyond that in terms of trying to trying to. Help people who are who are on the edge, who are like verging on their third strike. Yeah, it's 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 a life incredibly full lived, um, and yeah, it's 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 a constant reminder. Again, like if you anyone ever gives you a chance to do something, or you're interested in something, and you want to do something, always do it. Always do it because I don't know. I I, I would never I would never want to think that oh I had a chance to to pursue something or go down this avenue because you never know where it's gonna end up taking you yeah so I, I mean we, we sort of talked around it and touched on it anyway but I think as you'd mentioned at Ali he was he was seen as a queer black icon purely because he, you know there were not many around him because of his difference and the important thing with the Dave Dennis article was about how he gave humanity to people that often aren't sort of shown as as human and he 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 gave he gave time to 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 show people as fully rounded characters and i think it's it's quite a small thing to ask but it's just something that you sort of never never really see and i mean we're seeing it more now in i don't know we've spoken extensively in last year in terms of like i may destroy you and how that as given visibility to an entire sort of generation of like of, of, of homosexual and queer and bisexual black people who previously just weren't shown on films. I've seen it on like previous generations with *My Beautiful Laundrette*, and it's it's for him as a man to to take that on himself. You know, not just for a role, but in terms of who he is as a person is uh, was was really amazing.
3: I think it's mentioned in the article, isn't it, around Terry Crews in Friday After Next. And if you ever, however rarely, saw a black person, especially a traditionally alpha male black person who was gay in a film, it was a parody. It's like, well, this would obviously never happen, so we'll put it in because it'll get a cheap laugh. So I think Michael K. Williams' portrayal of Omar was the first time that I'd seen it as an actual human character rather than just being a joke.
2: And I think the importance to it, having not actually watched the show, but from what I gather, based on what you've just said, Dan, about how he kind of balanced this hardness, but then also a tenderness as well, is so important to have both, because I think sometimes what can happen is you can, you know, we kind of saw in Moonlight the same same thing, but black men who feel like they're, whether they're gay or not, feeling like their masculinity is threatened just having the hardness and not having the balance of the tenderness with it, which, God, I mean, I mean, it's so layered. I think that speaks to just our sort of stereotypes about black masculinity. (laughs) It's it's exhausting, I'll tell you. It's so so complex. Yeah, this idea of just having to be completely hard um, and having no space for the softness. So I think on the flip side, like you said, it's either just like a campiness and a silliness and sort of a farcical thing, and then you don't have the sort of depth to balance that out.
4: I just wanted to speak um, on that Alana because you, you mentioned there the campiness and then you immediately kind of um, aligned it to silliness and I think that that is one of the things about his performance um, is that I think that and I, I have to be I, I, I want to be careful with my words so I really want to make sure that I'm understood correctly here. Um, one of my favourite portrayals of any character on TV is Titus Andromedon from uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. But I also know that not a lot of... In the in the diaspora, um, there aren't a lot of black guys who would kind of say that they could really relate to him. He is uh, very camp, very over-the-top. He's been mean to death. Um, very effeminate. A wonderful... A, genuinely hilarious and funny portrayal but there was no I don't feel that watching that there'd be any kind of um, cognitive dissonance in the same way that there was with Omar where it's like no he is like me uh, you know or how like so many black guys would like to think of themselves as like you know gangster kind of on the, on the side of the righteous more than the scoundrels and just so much like this quote-unquote us and he's gay and I think that does so much more to break down stereotypes because I think a lot of the times and I don't think it's just in the black community I think it's in lots of communities there's this real thing about masculinity where it's like you've got to be hard you've got to be tough and he was the hardest and the toughest character but he was also the most loving character we forget that the thing that starts his character arc really in this show is the murder of his boyfriend and it, it it so consumes him that he spends the next four seasons going after drug dealers and, it's, and it doesn't really end when uh, he takes out one of the drug dealers I'm gonna put no spoilers in since Alana hasn't watched the whole show he carries on he carries on after that and it's that thing of we all like whether you like, no matter your sexual orientation, we know what it is to be driven by love, to be driven by grief. And so, I think that whilst I love a portrayal like Titus Andromeda, whilst I love everything that Billy Port has been in from kind of kinky boots to the stuff that he's been doing on TV recently, you can go way back and look at his um, how he played uh, in Greece. Uh, there's a beautiful clip of it uh, of it on YouTube, uh, where he was on one of the late night talk shows, um, and he sings uh, "Beauty School Dropout." But a lot of black guys just wouldn't they wouldn't be able to relate to that. And I think what Michael K. Williams did is he took a gangster that robbed from drug dealers and was gay, and made it so relatable. And I think that's that's the power of his acting because I say this as somebody that writes TV. I might want to try and write that, but if I don't get the right actor, you're never gonna tease out that
3: nuance. Yeah. I think it's quite sad actually because I think especially in the time that it was written and the time that it was filmed, I think the majority of black men wouldn't have taken on that role. I genuinely don't think they would have done because of just the times that we were living in, in back then. Um so I think that's another 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 reason to another reason that I respect it so much.
2: Even today, realistically, I mean we're a little bit further along than we were, and like you said, Angelo, there's a lot of content out there now that shows a wider depiction of people of different sexualities who are black, who are different genders. Um, but to this day, I mean, how many people would accept that role, to be honest?
4: Well, I think today more would, um, definitely like. I mean, I would certainly take on that role and I would give it everything that I have. Actually, would I? Don't
3: try and put yourself in that conversation, Angela. You're not ready for that yet.
4: (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not saying I'm anywhere near him as an actor, but I was making the the, the more social point that was being made there. But actually, I wouldn't take on that role, not because I don't think I could do a good job, but because I'm also aware that there are certain stories that I should not be telling. And I can't believe that there wouldn't be uh, a gay actor that could also hit that out of the park. But um, I feel that Michael K. Williams avoids any of those um, conversations about um, who gets to tell those stories because those stories were just never being told. And his performance was so powerful that it's actually created a space for um, actors now to take on those roles. And I think that's the the beauty of the man, that he, he made you feel like he was feeling everything. And that that is yeah. perhaps yeah. the essence of of acting.
0: I was gonna say one hundred percent. I don't know if you've if you've seen uh, is it when they see us? He he plays Bobby McRae's dad, and he's just absolutely torn at the situation. And it's I mean it's kind of sort of this defenseless, helpless character, um, and in an industry and a time when you know people always want to sort of depict sort of black strength again like his ability to make you really empathize and sympathize with that role and with that character was was absolutely enormous when he plays Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire I mean he's a bootlegger but he's forced to sort of go into business with and cooperate with these racist people who essentially wouldn't have him alive um and again so it's it's like I say, just it's time and time and time and time and time again throughout his career. Just it just comes up about his his ability to 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 do that because it's it's it is it is his truth as as a as a person. Um, let's get into so I know Andrew you said you, the bunk scene was your favorite. Um, have you got a different favorite scene from his Dom?
3: But I'm not a quotes and favorite scenes kind of guy. I just enjoy it thing and keep it moving.
0: Dom, y'all ain't got no honey nut? (laughs) There we go. I mean, you didn't didn't have to quote it. I was just going to say just a particular scene.
3: (laughs) Well, honestly, I could have watched the Uh film yesterday or a show yesterday and I wouldn't remember quotes or scenes. It's just, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it. I mean, Dan, uh, surely we,
4: like, I'm not letting this uh, part where we're talking about favourite scenes go past without him expertly breaking down, like capitalism and the American legal system, uh in the criminal justice system in the court, which is just... He's the only guy mm. that ever beats Levy. He's the only guy that ever beats the lawyer. Yeah. If you go back and have a look through the series, Levy always wins, except when he takes on Omar.
1: Possession of a handgun again, followed by violation of parole on weapon charges, followed by one count of attempted murder and use of a handgun in commission of a felony. That was no attempt murder. What was it, Mr. Little? I shot the boy Mike Mike in his hind parts, that all. <clears throat> Fixed it so he couldn't sit right. <laughs> Why'd you shoot Mike Mike in his um, his hind parts, Mr. Little? Let's say we had a disagreement. A disagreement over? Well, you see, Mike Mike thought he should keep that cocaine he was slinging, and the money he was making from slinging it. I thought otherwise. So you, you rob drug dealers? This is what you do? Yes, sir. You say you aren't here testifying against the defendant because of any deal you made with police. True that. That you're here because you 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 want to tell the truth about what happened to Mr. Gant in that housing project parking lot. Yeah. When in fact, you are exactly the kind of person who would, if you felt you needed to, shoot a man down on a housing project parking lot and then lie to the police about it. Would you not? And hey, look, I ain't never put my gun on no citizen. You are a moral. Are you not? You are feeding off the violence and the despair of the drug trade. You're stealing from those who themselves are stealing the lifeblood from our city. You are a parasite who leeches off- Just like you, man. The culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What?
5: I got the shotgun. I got the briefcase. It's on the game though, right?
0: He gets, well, I'm going to say this now I'm just out of there. and he's a sucker so he's the biggest sucker he's the biggest sucker in the series I don't know why
4: he was ever popular when you think about it
5: he shouldn't be popular
0: he's an absolute sucker
4: this guy with his Tech in business trying to pretend like he's he's Elon Musk <laughs> Stop in it, the that's thing. out of order I'm trying to talk about price elasticity basic ass business man <laughs>
2: Yeah. I have a question for you guys. What is uh, what do you think has been sort of the legacy then, like, or I guess I should say, where do you think you've seen the inspiration in either other projects, other actors, um, like how from the wire to now have you sort of seen the culture open up as a result of that character? Yeah,
4: Little Nas X, Moonlight.
0: Yeah, I feel like it. It's a weird one where Moonlight is a really good example, actually, Dom. Um, but beyond, it's not really been. It's it's beyond the screen. The because it's people who were kids then, so you're gonna see it in the art now. So in the next ten years is where you're gonna see the impact of that because it changed people's lives and people's directions growing up. So it's only the it only what it finished like I think what two thousand nine we're we saying two thousand eight it finished. So, I think you're going to see the impact in the art over the next right around now and in the next 10 years that's where it's going to be felt because it, it it changed it changed people's views of of queer black men and homosexual men and, and being themselves and identity and allyship. It changed all those things in society as opposed to just on the screen, whereas you, you know see a lot of films and you're just they just imitate it for the next five years and then people move on. but it wasn't really the role wasn't that the role was was creating acceptance and and creating openings and and creating and opening people's eyes to accepting and loving and enjoying yeah. certain characters, so I feel like it's going to be we're going to feel the impact and especially now he's dead like yeah. we're we 're going to see that now in the app what have we been listening to? obviously everyone was holding back everyone was holding back the jams and Finally, things start to roll off the roll off. I don't know what it is. Production line. How do they even make these things now? It's digital. There's nothing like. No <laughs> one's going to get pressing, are they anymore? Dead. But yeah, I guess. Eh?
3: I did, I did, because I'm quirky like that. I, I write that cards. still.
0: But yeah, I guess let's let's go around the houses. Alana, what have you enjoyed?
2: So. I I don't have a specific album, but I know Angelo and um, and probably you Dan we're all gonna talk about this, but we all were just waiting for Kendrick to drop anything just any little <laughs> any little any little line, any little verse and man did he drop it? That baby Keem
5: family ties. I am the young mega, PG Lai Gang SIE, don't you address me unless it were four letters. Bitch, I thought you known better. I've been ducking the pandemic, I've been ducking the social gimmicks, I've been ducking the overnight activation. Fuego.
2: Fuego. go. <laughs> um so yeah, this summer i to be honest, I've literally just been just been waiting patiently for Kendrick to do something, to do some of some sort of project. Um and then in the meantime, you know, Megan's been giving me my thought life this whole year. <laughs> Um, besides <laughs> that, I haven't listened to full-on projects, but I really love the singles that have come out from SZA. Um, I feel like there were just a lot of singles that came out that I really enjoyed, so I feel like there are projects underway. Uh, and then of course I'm sure we're gonna get into some of the the two projects that dropped most recently <laughs> that I got about 30% into one of them and, And I tapped
3: out. What about you, Dom? I. It's been a weird year for music because it's all been self-calculated. We've discussed it before about which artists obviously have music ready to go. Last year, for obvious reasons, didn't release it. So I think we've seen some really good stuff. I'm with you, Alana. I think Thought Shit is one of the best songs of the year. Like I absolutely love that record. I think it's banging. Um, But in terms of, I'm still, I'm old school, man, I'm an albums guy, and the ones for me that I've hit, Children of Zeus, have done it again. Balance was just... I don't even want to say they're underrated because if you don't know about them you're not trying to know about them but their music is just phenomenal. It's one of the best like, soul R&B hip hop albums that I've heard in a long time and then along comes Little mm. Sims a couple of weeks ago and similarly does it again. Like it's been the last few years, quite a few of my favourite albums that are released in that given year, have been British artists, and I'm loving it, absolutely loving it. Just the amount of talent that's coming out of this country at the moment. Um, aside from those two, Green Tea Peng, also British, also amazing album, and Isaiah Rashad, man, it's TDE, they don't miss, and that Isaiah Rashad album, it was just a vibe. Okay,
0: you're
3: It's not one of those albums that you want to sit and dissect the lyrics for, but the production and just the feeling that you get from the album, I just think it's just, it's, it's nectar for your ears. It's absolutely beautiful. So I think that's what I've been listening to. But I'm, I'm the same as you, Alana, man. I tried to give Drake and Kanye... I, I couldn't yeah, give I Brand couldn't Daniel, even do probably. it. I couldn't do it. It's, who's making a 1 hour 48 album in 2021? I, I I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't I don't know why I let my curiosity get the better of me so much so often. I think this album, I hope this album is the one that tells me I am just not his intended audience anymore. But I don't need to listen because he's not making music for people like me anymore. With Drake, I actually got through that one and I only skipped a few tracks the first time, so I was like, oh, maybe he's actually released a, a palatable album. It's got... But, nah. Nah. It, it's, it's just got
0: it's no... The thing is, it's not bad, but because, you, because you've heard it all before from him, it's just got mm. no replay value yeah. whatsoever
2: where are the hits yeah where are, like the hits that you want to hear again and dance in the club i mean that way too sexy is like the single off the album and the only reason that that song is good is because of the video so if you haven't seen the video you're like it's just
3: <laughs> i've got to say the video is great kawhi leonard man i never thought i'd see the day 40, 40
0: phoning it in now angelo uh,
4: like so Obviously, right, so let me get the good stuff out the way first, the stuff that's actually been good. Vince Staples, I think his album is is a banger. I don't think a lot of people... I think because there's been so much music, I think albums have been missed. Uh, so his uh, self-titled fourth album, uh, very good. Listen,
0: I ain't going, am foreign. Riches, off a of torn, all ignoring. Missions, miss my
5: brothers, die for colours, quidditch.
4: Um, obviously Sims uh, It's a bit it's, it's very 2000 Is it 2018? Where I feel like Dave has dropped an absolute classic And Sims has dropped, dropped one that's slightly better um,
3: Dave's ain't a classic
4: D- Dave, hey, We're all alone in this together uh, It's not a classic i tell you what it is uh, It's the album version of uh, Full Metal Jacket the first third of it, I think, is untouchable. I think the dance might be like when we do our at the end of the year when we do our tracks of the year. The is gonna be on that for me, um, then yeah, it does. But the thing is, for me, if you can touch a peak, if you can touch a height that that he can get to, um, I'm more willing to forgive if it isn't kind of there the whole way through. But look, go back and listen to the previous pod. You know how I feel about. Kanye you know how I feel about Drake That said I swear I went into both of those albums With an open mind I was like do you know what I can't just I don't want to turn into a caricature Like let me actually listen And if, if the ting is good Let me say the ting is good So I started with Donda And I honestly thought I was listening to a tape I thought oh shit my tape is scratching Or, or like my CDs ain't working properly Donda and, and I was like this this is This is rubbish I start listening to the album. I'm like, look, just keep an open mind. But you, the thing is, I've always said to you guys that um, I listen to the lyrics as well as the music. And musically, it, there is it's it's up and down. If you do a thing, an hour. If you do an album of an hour and forty eight minutes, you're going to have tracks that are good and you're going to have tracks that are bad. Like he's reached that level. It's the same issue with the album that I had with Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Where it's like you could have cut an hour from the five bloods and it would have won everything. It just did not need to be as long as it was and it's exactly the same thing because they're both self indulgent yeah, and it was exactly the same thing with with Donda, but then lyrically i just I just checked out at the there's a line where he talks about throat goats, so he's kind of Trying to think of different ways to talk about people that give head. And he came up with throat goats. And I just... I just wanted to throw my papers up in the air and go, come on, we're better than this. That said... (laughs) I think I know where you're going. (laughs) It's still a better album than Drake's. Oh my god. So, I... No. Mm, No, no. I tell you why. I tell you why. So, at least with Donda... I listened to it. And do you know what? Here's what I'll say for Donda. It kept my interest. Either through being good. It was sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. To quote René Gattuso. (laughs) Drake's was just like being stuck in a boring conversation with a couple that have been together for 15 years and just tell the same anecdotes. Oh, I was just bored. I was so so bored listening to that album. Um, he did have no, a, he had the bar no, of the ear though. You, you, yeah, say
0: that
3: you're a lesbian girl, me too, Hey, Oh dear! She said I'm a lesbian, I said me too. <laughs> what the but, fuck but the he thing is he He's a I, joke, he's not a serious person. I get person. that it's no, difficult when not. you reach a certain level of fame
4: and your normal normal life as we understand it disappears. But there are ways to navigate it. And, and again, if, I'll pick another artist I've given a lot of corn to over the years. Beyonce managed it. Beyonce kind of, you know, with Lemonade, she was like, no, actually, I'm going to present an album that shows you behind the curtain. I'm going to talk about the universal feeling of being pissed off and angry and upset because somebody that I love has done me dirty. She did it with Formation. She used her platform. I just, what's, what's, what's Drake talking about? What's he saying? And this idea of kind of, yeah, well, at least the beats are fire. Are they? The problem is when you... And here's the other problem that he has as a big artist. And this is why I like the Vince Staples album so much. Vince Staples album has the same producer the whole way through. And when you have the same producer the whole way through, sonically, you can create, you can create a soundscape that, that really is connected and unified. When you kind of are just being like, I'm going to jump on anything that's hot, I think what you get stuck with is this doesn't feel connected, and that was also a problem with Donda. Like, I love Todd Rundgren. I've loved T- Todd Rundgren for a long time, but it doesn't. He doesn't feel like he should be on the same album as Kanye and all the other um, featureings that he's got. So they both
3: just felt sprawling, and. I'll say it, Drake just felt like elevator music. To, to that to that point though, I don't think, I think something you're missing there is Drake's principal audience aren't people who listen to albums in their entirety. They're people that listen to singles. Yeah. And I think that that's Kanye West's audience now as well. So if you want an album that's going to have some kind of sonic or actual narrative structure to it, those aren't you guys anymore. And I didn't go into it with that kind of mind because both of them, like I'll fess up. Dan already gave me some Rightfully gave me shit for this. I listened to the Drake album before I listened to the Sims album that came out on the same day And that was because I was working mm. and I just wanted something in the background I didn't want to sit down and listen and for Drake That's why I was like this is gonna work because if there's a good beat I just find myself nodding along as I'm as I'm doing my work with Sims I want to sit down and actually take it in and I think mm. both Kanye and Drake nowadays at the stage in the career that they're at Neither of them are making anything that I'm actually going to sit down and absorb. It's just like, if it sounds nice, if mm. it's a good beat, okay, I'll run it back a couple of times. But that's as far as it goes now. Let's just get this a thousand, a, a, a what, 100,000 million listens in a day and never return to it, because that's what these albums are for nowadays. To,
0: <laughs> to your point on Todd Rundgren, on Pigeons and Planes, on their Instagram account, He was complaining about how, working with Kanye, he said, I have three albums worth of Kanye stems on my computer because I kept getting called by Kanye to add vocals onto the record. When it got to the home stretch in July, I just said, that's enough for me. I have no idea whether any of this has been used. You don't get much feedback from him regarding whether it's been used or not. And then he went further, he said. He eventually came to realisation that Wes is a shoe designer. He's just a dilettante at this point. No one would regularly make records like that unless they had stupid money to throw around. Nobody rents a stadium to make a record in. Nobody flies the entire world of hip-hop to just croak one syllable so you can say you had everybody was on it. My involvement went on for a year. And in the end, I realised why they hurriedly wrapped the whole thing up and put it out because what is obviously really raw, unprocessed stuff is because Drake was running the whole process. He was too afraid Drake would one-up him. So he hurried up and released the album the weekend before Drake could get his out. In the end, Drake ate his lunch anyway. Says Todd Rundgren. But, um, I, you know, there's a lot that's true. A lot of it is kind of salty. But I think what you've both said is, uh, is pretty fair. I feel like with Kanye, just to my ear, with Kanye... Some of the highs, in fact, the highs on his album are higher. The lows are just pretty baggy and I, I care not for them. Um, yeah, I am I just, I'm not too bothered about either of those tracks. I will say the disrespect to Tyler to not even get a mention in passing, y'all should be ashamed of that.
3: Y'all should be ashamed of that. no. Nah. Yo no, because he came off the back of Igor, and Igor was just better, yeah, but that's not it, but
0: if that was that was last year, you think you' know the problem with last year? it was last year
3: yeah, but that's exactly why we're having this conversation about Drake and Kanye now because they've done great things before, and with Igor being so recent in comparison when I listen to it. When I listen to a Tyler, the Creator album, typically I want to hear something that's new, something that's a bit more engaging. And the highs, I think, on Tyler's album are brilliant. Mm. I really, really do. And there were quite a few tracks I went back to, but it didn't last longer than a couple of weeks Mm. for me. And that is the the real sign of a good album for me. Everything that I mentioned previously, Green Tea, Peng, I think, came out in June. Isaiah Rashad came out in July. Um, Children of Zeus was June. Cleo Soul last month. And all of them I'm still going back to. I didn't go back to Tyler, I think, after two or three weeks later.
2: Mm.
0: Nice, that's fair.
2: And you know it's really bad. You know it's really bad when you actually go back to someone's album from, like, 2016. So I listened to half the Drake album, and then I was like, you know what, let me just listen to -to back-to-back for, like, two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, have a little giggle again.
3: (laughs) Has Drake got a classic album?
4: Nothing was the same?
2: Yeah, views. Views
4: it's,
0: Views, no, is View, Views is not and, close um, to Views isn't like it's Views is like his sixth best album What was
2: the album. one before What was the, yeah, what was the <laughs> one before
3: that? It's Nothing Was The Same and Take There are both good albums oh, I don't think he's same. got any that are better than that So there's a great Dave Dennis article because
4: I uh, Cherry you put me onto it Dave Dennis and then I realised I'd read an article of his before and he said and the the, the, the gist of the article was that Um, he's about the same age as Drake and when Drake released his first stuff when he was like twenty twenty one, he felt amazing and he thought that he would grow with the artist and what he's come to realise is that Drake is still making music for 20 to 21 year olds Mm -hmm. and this kind of angsty thing and that he hasn't been able to grow with him and that for him was a really kind of sad thing and I it's just weird, thought that's weird that's to a outgrow someone, of, someone
3: that's older than you. But I've yeah, outgrown it. <laughs> yeah, that was,
4: I just thought that's uh, so. Maybe if we got a bunch of, you know, 20, 21 year olds on who were kind of catching him the first time, they might listen to this angsty stuff from a guy in his mid 30s and be like, oh, he's living our story. But, you know, then it just is cynical, isn't it? Um, Let's grow well, the fuck that- up, man.
2: And that goes back to your point too, Jello, about Beyonce, because Beyonce, like, the reason that her albums are so good is because she grows, like, every single one of her projects matches her age and experience, and she also does the work to do the research, like, I feel like with Drake, a lot of his albums he bases around, like, whatever culture he feels like adopting that, that year, <laughs> yeah, so I feel like in this age of COVID when maybe there wasn't a lot that he could take from. That's why it's like so bland. He you you still managed to sneak in the um, Afro
3: track though. <laughs> I course. knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Obviously, Wizkid a and Thames is the biggest track of yeah. the year. He takes a track with Thames, man. They're fucking shameless. Even <laughs> Kanye did it. Kanye did it. We saw the locks absolutely shell it on Versus. The next day, they're flying to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium to get in the studio with Kanye. I mean, this shit, we're not dumb. We are not stupid. You lot are just clout chasers, and it works, and it works for the audience that they are actually looking to appeal to. But I'm too long in this game to fall for that shit nowadays. I can see what you're doing, and it ain't working for me.
4: I just want to give some love to uh, a a much, much smaller artist who is genuinely made good music. Um, After three years of me kind of hectoring him, Uh, Chado Araka finally released Mm. an EP this year and like like the thing is is like I'm a reviewer and sometimes I have to review kind of shows of people that I know and it's a terrifying thing because if they make something that's rubbish I, I my integrity as a reviewer means that I have to kind of communicate that um his his EP absolutely slaps uh he takes and the thing is it's it's the it's like what I said with the difference between like Vince staples versus Kanye and or Vince staples and even Little Sims versus Kanye and Drake, which is that there's there's a through line that runs through it um and it's about making good music and when and and it's also this thing especially in kind of hip hop and um you know grime drill urban music as they call it it's just authentic like he he shoots videos. On the estate that he grew up in, but when he when he's on the estate that he grew up in, the people in the videos are people from the estate. I've walked around with this man, and people come up and talk to him. That's the difference. And obviously, you can say, well, when you get super big, you can't walk around because da 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 da. But there is good music outside of uh, you know these big drops. Uh, Dan, I did want to ask you about Drake. Did they did Spotify do the takeover that so angered you the last time?
0: No, they haven't done that for a while. It was like, well, it didn't just anger me. Everyone, it became, they became a laughing stock for doing it. Like, it's you know, I just, yeah. So they've not done that for a while. Um, I was going to say as well shout out um, Fred again, Actual Life. Thank you. Just because it's when that's, we were just bang, uh. banging, banging. That it. it's. Oh, I love that thing. I absolutely love that album. It's like, such a vibe. It's just like I remember putting it on when we were on holiday, and I was just like, "Oh goodness me!" Just ca- captured the moment. <laughs> did
2: you go? To, yeah. Did you go to the show in London?
0: No, we saw him. He was on at. Oh, they they uh, were on Point All Points East. East. Yeah, and that was clap because it was weird because that was the first tent we went to, so everyone was still kind of getting into the. Oh, there's there's loads of people here, but. I was shitting myself. It was weird, wasn't it? It was weird. But um, if, if I get another chance, I will full show sure be going. But yeah, the actual life, read again. Tremendous. Tremendous project. Guys, good to be back. Good to talk about something that we're all passionate about. Good to hear your music vibes. I've been Dan.
3: I've been Angela. I've been Dom. Ik
2: ben Alana.
0: And we'll catch up with you again with a full episode very shortly. Thanks for listening. See ya.